0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining, episode 42 of the proper enumerated That's Entertaining podcast productions. Joining me this week, since, well, since Alex was caught in a hurricane, you know, in the East Coast and decided to do that instead of join us on the Martian discussion, I had to dig deep, so deep that I dug to Brazil and dug up Paulo himself
1: paulo good to know good to know i'm option b
0: <laughs> no no you're never option b you're the second option <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right that sounds just as bad but
0: i'll go with it <laughs> paulo how have you been good sir it has been too long since we talked
1: it's been a while it's been a while i'm well man thank you for asking i doing my stuff Trying not to be upset about how frustrating it is to be a scientist in Brazil and just doing my stuff.
0: Would you rather be a scientist in Brazil or a scientist on Mars? Well, uh, Brazil, for sure, because
1: <laughs> we do have, like, oxygen here. Oxygen is important, yes. Yeah, for me at least. I, I don't know if it's, like, for most people it is. But I do consider it something that I want, like, every day. I may be addicted to it, though.
0: <laughs> you might have an oxygen problem. I might have an oxygen problem, for sure. <laughs> there, I think they have courses for that that you can take that may help alleviate that just a little bit. But, good sir, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you join us this week is because, as you said, you are a scientist. And if there is anything that this movie we'll be discussing the martian is it's a science movie wouldn't you say
1: for sure but what kind of science are we talking about like i mean there's astrophysics and there's botanics and i don't know anything about any of those i mean i know some about botanics but yeah yep yep
0: you're 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 qualified you're qualified to discuss it because sir you wear a lab coat and i do not
1: well i guess (laughs) let's roll with it
0: But before we get any further into our discussion of The Martian, Paula, what have you been entertained by in the weeks, nay, months since we last discussed what you've been entertained by?
1: So, I mean, I've been watching, I don't know if you watched this, this, the first season, but I've been watching the second season of a little show called The Review. Have you heard of this?
0: The Review? The Review,
1: yeah. It's a, it's a show, I mean, it, it opens up with um, life is everything we have, but is it any good? I'm Forrest McNeil, and I'm going to review life itself. I don't review food or places or anything like that. I review life itself. So it's basically a show about a guy. It's like a, one of those like self-aware shows. It's a show. It's basically a show within a show, but they, they, they say it's not, but it is. Anyway, um... So this guy is like in front of the TV in a studio and he gets requests. Like people saying, oh, Forrest McNeil, how would it be? Like, I mean, how exciting would it be to get a divorce? I mean, what a divorce feels like. And he does go through with it. He does get a divorce. And that's like basically what the show is about. He basically can't say no to the reviews because he's so committed to it, and he thinks he's gonna like make the world a better place, and he does like basically ruin his life. And it's a great show. It's on uh, Comedy Central, so I suppose you can call that a comedy.
0: Uh, that doesn't sound like a comedy. That sounds like something that belongs on I don't know, like HBO or. Mm, I mean, something. it's it's really
1: HBO if you think about the HBO comedies for sure. But it is it it is one of the like one of the only shows that can actually get me cracking so bad that i can i have to like follow calm down keep your voice down and you're laughing too hard <laughs> this this show is absolutely great so they are on uh the end of the second season i'm not sure if the last episode has just been out or is about to but i've watched up to episode nine and episode 10 should be the last one of the second season interesting so yeah. I've been watching that. I've been actually ba- binge watching that. And video game wise, because I know this podcast is a little bit about video games. Video games wise, I haven't been playing much because I'm trying to keep some of my money in my
0: pocket. What? Come on now.
1: And I'm and I'm avoiding like the new releases. So I'll let you know in a quick information that back in the day, I mean last year the exchange rate between the Brazilian currency and the uh, U.S. dollar was like 2 to 1, so two of ours for one U.S. dollar. So now it's basically 4 to 1. So Ooh. games are expensive to buy, especially like on the PS Store and Steam stuff like that. So games are a little bit more expensive than they used to be, but that's fine if... I were to agree with buying every um, upcoming game like uh, on the first day and stuff like that, like I used to, I would be able to pick one or two, but I'm trying something new. I'm trying to see if I can stay away from the new releases for a couple of months and see if I can get a, just a little bit cheaper and see if like the addiction that I have for new releases just fades away because I, I was spending like, too much money on, on those. So I did the stupid thing and I bought Arkham Knight with the Season Pass on launch day. And I regret that because the Season Pass is worthless. It's, <laughs> it's not good at all. It's a bunch of skin packs. And so yeah, I've, I, I'm still playing that. Like I, I, I played Arkham Knight to the completion and I got all the Riddler
0: trophies. Are you playing which, them on PC or on PS4? PS4, PS4.
1: And I got out the Reader Trophies, uh, which you need to do to get, like, the true ending, which is pretty cool, you know. That's good. the Reader Trophies, yeah, I mean, it's just something that I was doing uh, while I was listening to podcasts and stuff like that. I was really behind in some of my favorite podcasts. And then I, I did that. I was like, ah, let, let me solve some of these dumb little puzzles while I do that. So, yeah, that's basically being it. I'm playing some Vita games that are free on the PS Plus, but nothing really important. That's about
0: it. PS Plus has been a good value for you, then, for what you're trying to do with this buying-nothing-new type scenario.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. For, like, time killers and stuff like that, PS Plus is so great. I mean, I I, I don't get to use my Vita for, like, the bigger games that much For for these little ps plus free games that they give me like every month man i'm i'm thankful for it yeah i'm glad i'm glad i have a subscription for sure
0: and have you tried using the remote play with your vita
1: i did i mean it worked fine for the couple of times that i i did um one time it was really laggy but i I think my router configuration was was a little off but i mean a, a couple of the times that i tried it it was fine, but I don't really see myself using that that thing that much because I really like to play the games on the bigger screen if I'm playing on the PS4.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what you want to do if you have a PlayStation 4 is played on the TV, but I don't know if you ever tried it when the TV was occupied like something else was on the screen and you wanted to just pop in. I wanted to do a Riddler trophy or two on Argym, uh just how the experience was for you
1: no they didn't do it with arkham i did it i did do it with um Infamous second son i got a couple of trophies like i was laying in bed and i was like oh, i'm gonna turn off the tv because maybe it's gonna like make the room go dark and maybe i can i can get some like sleepy time then i was playing the video anyway so they didn't work <laughs> guess what went to bed at 2 a.m Great job, Paolo. Hey, <laughs>
0: yeah, you win some, you lose some, though, right? Yep, yep, yep. Especially for sleep.
1: Sleep time,
0: I'm great at that. <laughs> Except not. Anything else you've been entertained by, man?
1: Mm, not really. Um, oh, I've been reading, Um, I've been rereading the Why the Last Man comic book. Have you ever heard of that?
0: I have heard of it, and I remember seeing the, cover of it but I've never actually read that one.
1: So yeah. It's basically about every man dies except for this guy and his little monkey. Go read it. It's really good. Alright, that's it.
0: <laughs> well that sounds like a good slate of games that you're checking out and obviously with getting all the Riddler trophies, I mean I I did everything except get all the Riddler trophies in Batman and then I think I did the Harley Quinn DLC because I got that as a pre-order bonus, but after that I was I was not doing any of that extra DLC stuff because I just, it didn't entice me and it didn't look good enough for me to actually want to play. So I'll wait until a G- uh, Game of the Year edition comes out, and I'll probably pick it up then and play it again with all the DLC. But until then, I think I'm done with uh, Arkham Knight.
1: Yeah, you're not know, losing much especially with all the DLC and stuff like that. You I mean, you're not losing anything, to be honest. Yeah, I'm really disappointed
0: with, with the season pass.
1: I mean, I had good faith in Rocksteady, and I guess they kind of let me down. But that's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, it happens uh, every now and then, so uh, I think next time a lot of people will be a little bit more discerning on their season pass purchase, even if it's mm-hmm. from a developer that's earned their trust. I know a lot of people, though, talking about season passes, have been... Really latching on to, or very agreeable to the season passes that they're going to do with Fallout Four. They're just—they're not even questioning it. They're saying, "Oh, yep, I'm going to get it. Doesn't matter what it has. You guys are Bethesda. You're my favorite studio. Whatever."
1: Yeah. So it's I've like, heard some people saying the same thing.
0: Yeah. So you know, people have this this notion of it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. But then, what if like uh, Arkham Knight? the DLC comes out, and it's a skin pack for this. It may be just a little bit of story here, this or that. Uh, maybe you got some horse armor included in it, because they did do the horse armor. Um, what I do, you- do remember that with Skyrim, right? <laughs> yep. So, what do you think that that could do if a company like Bethesda pulls the same strategy, let's call it, that Arkham Knight used?
1: I mean, it's weird because it's Bethesda, and people love them. Like, for any reason that they have to but um if they pull a horse armor kind of thing i think it kind of will make sense this time with fallout 4 because from the trailers and from the stuff that they released that we've seen there is a little bit of like um like homestead construction and uh even like you make you make a you, you safe house, a, a puzzle house and stuff like that. So there is a bit of uh, construction uh, construction uh, in this game. And didn't they say there's going to be like a toolkit for making maps yourself and sharing with the community, stuff like that?
0: I mean, I have to be honest. I'm not that into everything that's coming out with Fallout 4 as other people are. I've never been a huge Fallout... I've, I've never completed a fallout game i've started fallout 3 and i believe i may have started fallout new vegas um, but i know that there's a ton of people that has a huge community to it um but yeah I, I, I can't answer that question
1: uh i'm with you though because i only played fallout 3 for half an hour and never again now that i hated the game i just never came back to it
0: mm-hmm. i mean so... I, don't know. I don't know if it was i was not ready yet for the open world experience that it offered or if it's i didn't care for the setting or the colors because i mean it's a bleak game fallout 3 was uh the colors are very washed out very much like you would think within post-apocalyptic world i just don't know what it was that didn't hook me in on it because usually i mean now let's say like the witcher or something like that open world game it's it's tremendous but I don't know right. what it is about that uh, Fallout that didn't catch me.
1: Yeah, same thing here. I, I just, I mean, it didn't it didn't fly with me. But I'm sure excited for Fallout 4. Um, and if I'm not making this up, I think there is like a, a little bit of like, make your own maps and stuff like that.
0: There uh, are like share, share
1: with the community, mods and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should There should be mods. So I guess that some of the DOC stuff, that are supposed to be coming with the season pass. I mean, you have to assume that some of it is for the maximum construction. So like, oh, you have this turret that throws fire and electricity at the same time. And, I don't know, has an exit gun, whatever tiny wobbly thing. Anyway, um, I can assume that some of that stuff is going to be locked behind the DLC paywall and if people are not expecting to that i mean but tesla is a company and they do want to make money and they do want to make it to make it like as much as they can so i don't know i mean buyer beware
0: have you played the fallout shelter game oh yeah i did so what are your impressions of that so with, for me, I'll just give you my, my two senses that I downloaded it because, hey, cool. They got this thing. Everybody was excited about it. I downloaded it. And I played it probably for maybe a day, two at most. But my people just didn't stay alive. And I guess to do it, I had to like buy these lunch boxes or whatever that had different things in it. And they say that you don't have to do that. But really, I felt like you kind of did unless you wanted to wake up in the middle of the night and take care of your base, and then go back to bed. I I mean, it doesn't make sense for me to do that. Uh, I, I don't know. What, what was your thoughts?
1: So, yeah, I, I did download that, like, basically right away. And on the first day, I was like, oh, this looks neat. And the second day, I was like, oh, this really does look neat. And I was addicted. <laughs> really? I was really addicted to it. I played it for, like, a couple of weeks until I... Came to myself and say, you know what, I should stop. I got to the point, Nathan, that I looked for a way to get a lunchbox without paying. <laughs> and there is a, the simplest way to do it is whenever you spend a whole week like logging in the game. So you log in today, they give you like 10 coins or whatever is the currency of that game. Uh, I think it's like bottle caps. They give you like 10 bottle caps. Oh, you just log in today. Have this. And then you log on the second day, they give you like 20 bottle caps. And on the seventh day, by the end of a week, they give you a free lunchbox just for logging in. And if you do a little bit of trickery with your iPhone or iPad clock, just by advancing a day... <laughs> You can get to the next day and then if you advance the whole week, you can get a lunchbox. Like you can get a hundred lunchboxes in one hour if, if you really change windows and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna be like waiting for the construction of this like electricity thing or upgrading my kitchen and stuff like that. I'm just gonna fast forward everything and see whatever the game has to offer me. And at the end of it, I saw that, like, you do get to, to do some of the stuff that you expect from, like, the Sims games. So you can upgrade stats, you can upgrade intelligence, strength, agility, stuff like that. And it gets pretty interesting because when you send your characters, characters to the Wasteland, they really are stronger, they really are better, and they really get, like, better gear. And better gear. Better gear. Five anyway <laughs> fans on paint better gear fans on paint So you, you do get some uh, of the better stuff, but it gets to a point I mean if you advance the clock as much as I did it gets to a point that it gets boring because you have so much you have so many so many uh, lunchbox and stuff like that that you have all the best things and That's it. That's what the game has to offer you so I if you really are planning on spending any dime on that game just fast forward your ipad clock why do you use your ipad for looking at the time anyway
0: (laughs) well what if you have calendars and reminders and things on your ipad that are set to your time and then you have meetings that you miss because whoops i was playing fallout and uh, i fast forwarded four weeks and i missed these meetings on monday and now i'm fired you know what you should buy an old-timey calendar
1: <laughs> that you mark days with a pen, a red marker, and then you put a post-it note next to it saying, <laughs> "I really shouldn't miss this meeting because
0: that, that's also you can play Fallout. the CEO is coming." <laughs> that's also that you can play Fallout and not have to spin a dive, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, the game. The game is basically that it has a hook. And that's about it. But that hook is really good. They did a good job. I have to give that. Give it to them. Because I played for a couple of weeks before I, I actually thought about cheating. And so I did the, the regular, like, checking every couple of hours and stuff like that. Checking every time that I, I went to bed. I was like, you know what? I should check my, my shelter. See if my people are dying. See if they need some food. See if I can get an upgrade and stuff like that. So, yeah. They, they did a good job at... Hoping us up But You know what Fast forwarding the clock That's the solution For your addiction
0: (laughs) That's like the The first um, uh, First What is it First method Or first step Of acceptance Is fast forwarding The clock And realizing that You fast forward The clock too much And you've lost All this time And it's a metaphor Of all the time That you're going to lose And waste in the future
1: Isn't that Isn't that Like Doesn't that work For everything in your life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How much can you fast-forward your clock, Nathan? Uh,
0: I wish because I could fast-forward Losing clock all the bit.
1: progress that you make.
0: <laughs> so poetical. Oh, there
1: well. should be a podcast about poetry.
0: There should be a podcast about poetry. I'm sure there are many podcasts about poetry. And if you, dear listener, feel so inclined to listen to such a podcast, please do so. And let us know what you found out.
1: Let well, us know if that's entertaining, too. <laughs> that's
0: right. Uh, well, let me see. What have I been entertained by? Um, on the game side of things, I guess I can do video game stuff because, you know, video games are fun. Madden. Oh, they are. Uh, yeah. I keep playing this, this football game. You may have heard of it. Um, I know in Brazil, soccer is... Well, okay, you can Oh, so
1: you mean the football (laughs) game that you don't use the foot to play with the ball? You do use. That is not really a ball because it's not round. (laughs) Yeah, I know that. That's that's great.
0: So you do use a foot to kick the ball in the field goal or to kick off the ball. Sometimes when you feel like it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that it's called football where, yeah, you you only use the foot for a couple things, really. Uh, Or three things. Okay, you got your kickoff. You got your field goals and then you got your punting. And then everything else is like hands, catch, all that good jazz.
1: So you want some, some uh, since I'm supposed to be the scientist here, uh-huh. you want some science behind the the reason that football is called football?
0: Uh, because the ball is about the size of a foot?
1: No, really. I mean, that too, but um, in Europe, back, um, I mean, back a couple, no, not a couple, back a, like quite a few decades, Maybe even a century ago, um, the some of like some sports organizations were setting up rules about the games because they want to display them in like an Olympic matter again. So the concept of football was still getting into like what we know today. And so you, are you talking was,
0: football as in soccer football or football as in as NFL? in the
1: sport in general, like the name of football? Okay. So yeah, so there's like England and Germany had basically two different ideas. Um, They both came from a game that you play with a round ball, and some people play by different rules. So the city of rugby came with this idea of playing a game where you use a ball that's not really shaped like a ball; it's basically a neck, but you use. Most of the time you use your hands, but you do start the game using the kick of the ball, using your foot. So you still call it football, but the rules are different. So this is the rugby football Hmm. because it's from the city of rugby. And this was not like broadly accepted between all the other groups because everybody liked the soccer game a little bit more in Europe. So they call that the standard football, not the German football or not the, I don't know, like French football or anything like that. So the associations kind of broke into different like segments. And then when rugby, the, I mean, I could be wrong about like the order of stuff that I'm, I'm saying. It's just like some information, bits and pieces that I'm, I'm putting together here right now.
0: Well, you know, but, more than uh, it's okay.
1: Yeah, I let's pretend I'm not making all of this up. So <laughs> we rugby <laughs> so when rugby actually got to like America and stuff like that, uh they did adapt it adapted to a couple of new rules and stuff like that. So we do have the American football and we do have the regular rugby that is played on Australia and the city of rugby and well, pretty much everywhere else that feels like playing it because it's not a crime. And that's that's about it. I mean, it, it came from the same concept of, of playing a game that starts with the kick of a ball with a round ball, but it, it differs because different cities play it in different ways. That's basically what I know. But please continue talking about Madden. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's a great game.
0: Well, in the video game called Madden NFL 2016 uh you, you you throw a ball that's called the football mm-hmm. and you hope that the other team doesn't catch the football because that's called an interception and my quarterback Nick Foles has thrown 12 interceptions and 14 touchdowns in through week 6 or 7 which is not good by the way so i was going to say that's either fascinating or real disappointing. <laughs> very disappointing. So, um, yeah, it's. I've been playing that because I have a connected franchise with some of our other friends that uh, we know from our different communities we're a part of, and Alex is also in there. In fact, we're supposed to be playing our game uh, very soon here, I think, uh, where his Bears will face off against my Rams in St. Louis. Currently, they're in St. Louis anyway. But... Uh, looking forward to actually being able to play, uh, Alex in that and have a whole little, that's entertaining face off. We're actually going to have a little bit of a, uh, a wager, if you will. Um, mm. I think if I win, he's going to buy me a bag of almond M&Ms and I believe if he wins, I'm going to buy him a bag of Skittles because I, I guess he likes those disgusting balls of sugar.
1: I mean, they're they're pretty good. They're not the best. M and M's are better, but Skittles are okay.
0: Eh, I don't know. I I I guess I'm just not a fan of the the Skittles. I don't know why. My wife likes them. I just I'm not I'm not a big fan. Maybe because you don't have any joy in your heart. That could be. I'm listen. I'm missing the joy, Paolo. Give me some joy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure I can give it to you, man. It
1: would be weird. <laughs>
0: Other than Madden on the gaming front, I also popped back in Disney Infinity because the uh, Twilight of the Republic... Nope. uh, Rise Against the Empire playset was officially released, although I already had it because I bought the Saga collection when it first came out. Um, But the Darth Vader, Han Solo, and Chewbacca um, figures were also released. So I have them, and I was playing with Vader, and I was... Mildly amused because I took Vader into uh, Coruscant and he was talking to Mace Windu up in the Jedi Temple. Uh, it was kind of funny. It was just amusing to me that Vader was up there talking to the Jedi Council.
1: Uh, I like those those throwbacks that I did, they put in that game. Mm-hmm. That game looks so good, man. I, I saw some of the Chewbacca gameplay, but I haven't had the chance to, to watch the Darth Vader. Does he do the heavy breathing stuff?
0: Uh yeah, I mean he does when you're walking around he has a little breathing stuff and I think if you're doing like moves and stuff, he breathes a little faster. Um it's That's pretty, never gets old. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting and very entertaining, if I do say so myself. hmm So I've been playing some more of that. I have and Alex isn't here, so this is the perfect time for me to talk about destiny. And how I've been Yay. sucked into the void of no story and repetition. <sighs> that is destiny.
1: That's why I quit it.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, the mechanics are really good. Um, it looks fine. Um, it's got some more hooks, you know, to get some more stuff in the game. I've maxed out my third subclass for my Hunter now. and. Jeez. I'm just I'm kind of getting to the point where it's rinse and repeat a lot, which is where it got to, and it got there quick. I mean, they changed a lot of the stuff around, you know, to to try to get you more engaged and not make everything about light. But I'm to the point now where it is again all about light, and it's the luck of the draw, like the luck of the drop. Uh, I, I hope I get like a legendary drop here because I want my light level to go up or I want, you know, this piece of exotic weaponry to drop or this or that. And it's just kind of getting to be a chore again, which is the reason why I stopped playing it the first time. So Me too. Yeah, it's just, it, it's a fun game. It's, it's really fun when you have friends to play with. So when I'm playing with some people, that's the best time to play it. But, you know, I find myself not always being able to, to meet up with some other people to play. And I'm just kind of doing my own thing. And it gets boring because then it's just, it's it's muscle memory. It's work.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, basically. That's, that's the way I felt it about the main game, anyway. But yeah. uh, you, you said you just maxed out your third character. Is it easier now to level
0: up? Well, I maxed out my third subclass on my one character. I haven't... Oh, yeah, your subclass, my character. Yeah. All right. So I haven't maxed out or even gotten close to maxing out Uh, my second character and i haven't even started the third maybe maybe i'll do that maybe that's what i need to do but you know there's so many games that are out now that i have to play my backlog is tremendous as is and it feels like i'm spinning my wheels playing destiny where i could go back and finish metal gear or i could go and i could play uh dishonor the definitive edition because i got that uh and i've never played dishonored um you know, no, you got a good game. Yeah, you got games coming out like Rise of the Tomb Raiders just around the corner. what um, about that. Yeah. And, uh, what's the game? Um, Battlefront? Not Battlefront. Yeah, Star Wars Battlefront. It'll be coming out soon within the next uh, month and a few days. Halo is coming out soon. I mean, we're we're to the point where all these games are starting to come out, and in the fall time, this fall lineup, if you have it's an all Xbox, in your face, man. Yeah. If you have an Xbox, this fall lineup is tremendous. Even if you don't, uh, the third-party lineup is really good. But I even think that like the PC people are also getting a lot of good games too. Yeah, the PC people, the indie games that are coming out right now are actually really good too. I've I've been playing a few indie games recently, and I typically don't, but they're they're very fun. They're very engaging. They're they're cute. They're clever. They're they're quick to play. Easy to pick up. And I find myself kind of gravitating to a few of those. It's really mm-hmm. interesting the, the, the state of gaming today. You know, before, let's say, you know, a year and a half ago on console anyway, because that's where I'm more familiar with console, the term indie was scorned, right? It was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's an indie game, whatever. But I it's really. It's not a real game. Yeah, exactly. It's not a real game. Um, where's the real game? Sorry, I had to I had to bring back Tell Batman. Me. I had to bring back the Christian mail. Uh um, where's Rachel? Where's the game? Uh so in the these indie games that come out, they're 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 completely good games. They they're they stand up on their own. Like I find myself wanting to play Rogue Legacy instead of playing, you know, Metal Gear. Or I find myself wanting to go back and play more of the The Swindle instead of going and playing Destiny. Because I've I'm having fun with those little games and the art yeah, on a lot of them. They, is amazing. They
1: are about fun, and some of the like real games. They're about like this spectacular deliver that the developers put into a lot of effort, and the voice actors really made a huge effort to deliver the emotional weight of everything and blah blah blah. And sometimes you just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. So I, I do. I do see. I, I do get myself playing a lot of the indie games whenever I want to because sometimes. And I don't really get anywhere on those. I just, like, play them because I want to, like, de-stress, decompress. And that's where I'm usually putting a lot of my time into anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you played The Swindle yet?
1: Mm, not that I, no, not that I think about it. That's but I, I know fun. that name.
0: That's pretty fun. It came out, I think, maybe a month or two ago. Uh, and it's about like, you're, uh, you have a hundred days to, to steal enough money from these levels to destroy this computer before, you know, the game ends. Um, so you're just going through and getting all these little perks and stuff along the way. And, uh, if you set up an alarm, then, you know, the cops come and you have to get out of there and get out before they catch you and things. It's pretty neat. And then if if your character gets caught, or dies that that particular character does get caught or die and they lose the buffs so then you get another randomly generated character it's pretty cool it's eight uh not really eight bit but uh pixel art i would say kind of
1: yeah i'm looking at pictures right now it it's kind of self-shaded it looks like braid a little bit
0: yeah yeah that's actually the term i was looking for kind of like the braid aesthetic Uh
1: uh-huh
0: looks really pretty yeah it's good art style that and also like Rogue Legacy, I got hooked into because that game is oh, yeah. one that was totally not on my radar. A guy at work, uh, he mentioned liking it, and so I picked it up when it came out on Xbox One. And then it took me forever to actually boot it up to play it once I once I had it. And when I started playing it, it clicked, and I liked it. And the whole you know going through and. You get your one character, and hopefully they get farther and get more money, so that way the next generation can continue. It was a pretty pretty interesting concept. I liked that a lot.
1: Oh, yeah, man. Broke Legacy is such a great game. It is addicting as hell. It is like crack cocaine for me. and I did beat it. like, And I was like, yeah, you know what? One time is not enough. How fast can I, can I do the second playthrough? And I got myself trophy hunting it like hell. Thank God that I was able to stop myself, because I was definitely going for the platinum in that game.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, I've i put in a good amount of time into it, and I don't even think I'm to the point where I, uh, I, I, I get outside the castle into the other area, or I can get down below, but I don't really get much farther into those areas.
1: I beat that game so many times, Nathan, that I got all the items available in the
0: game. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you consider yourself a fan then? Uh, a
1: little bit. Yeah, I guess you can say that.
0: <laughs> so, we got this random hole uh, of indie games by talking about Destiny, and I don't really remember how we got there, but I have been playing Destiny, and as far as the game stuff goes, those are really the main three I've been playing: Disney Infinity, Destiny, and Madden. On the TV front, I have been watching, trying to catch up on Arrow, this the third season before the fourth season starts. I mm-hmm. bought the Blu ray box set of the season three, so my wife and I have been watching through that as we can and How'd you like it? It's it's good so far. Uh, we're probably about halfway through the season and it's I don't wanna give any spoilers on that right now because I don't you know I mean that's not the subject matter this week. But it's uh it's interesting where they're going and the paths are going down and in this latest episode a lot of reveals happen, so um, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised. Jennifer was like, "Oh, wow! This, there's a lot of stuff happening in this episode." I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, man, that
1: that show is, is something else. It's really great. It's one of the best incarnations of a superhero that doesn't even even have super stuff mm-hmm. to him. But it's a great incarnation of a superhero TV show for sure. Yeah, probably the best, like right, right up there with, uh, with the Flash.
0: Yeah, the Flash is really good too. Um, I really enjoyed the first season of that. In fact, I bought the first season of that on Blu-ray as well, just to kind of support the show. And mm-hmm. uh, it's the Flash is really interesting because, like, they're both in the same universe, Arrow and the Flash. But I mean, everything about the Flash is all about superheroes and these powers and meta humans yeah meta humans right but then there's the the episodes where they cross over where flash goes in and helps out arrow on something or vice versa and And then uh, captain
1: boomerang goes and fights (laughs) arrow
0: yeah so it's like you know these things kind of will go in and mesh and when they cross it they make it make sense so it's actually pretty interesting and pretty well done well thought out
1: Yeah, I think it's expected for uh, the fourth season of Arrow to have more of the super-powered meta-human stuff because it's all so ingrained right now that I think it's, I mean, you can easily expect Arrow to be actually, like, fighting head-to-head to uh, somebody shooting fire for their hands.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's the new show that's starting that sounds interesting called Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to checking that out, too. I'm also looking forward to that. And then the other show that I've been watching um, that just started back up is Gotham, the second season. And I have to say, the second season, the first two episodes of this season are far superior to the first two episodes of the first season, so the series premiere. Um, The hooks are a lot better. They're more interesting characters at this point. The development has gotten to a point where Anything can happen, and Good to it's, know. yeah, it's it's really interesting. the The character of of Bruce Wayne has changed a little bit too now in this second season, and he's got kind of going down a path that I is think... He, is, is
1: he asking about Rachel yet?
0: Where's <laughs> well, he's a, he's a kid, so he's like, "Where's Rachel? Where's Rachel?" <laughs> um. I don't even think he's mentioned a Rachel or anything. The only the only woman or I should say girl that he's had interaction with is Selena Kyle, so
1: I don't suppose Rachel exists in in this universe. Rachel was a was a character exclusive to the
0: Nolan universe. Uh well. I guess I guess he'll always be asking in his in his dreams, where's Rachel? Where is she? <laughs> So, and other than that, this isn't, you know, a TV show or a game or anything, but uh, there's a new comic shop here in the Peoria, Illinois area called Zeke's Comics and Games, and they're actually really cool. The the owner, I was talking with him again tonight, and uh, they had their grand opening technically tonight where they've been open, like soft opening for a couple weeks already, but it's really nice to have another spot in this area. Um, that really just kind of caters to the come in, sit down, relax, play some card games, whatever you want to do. They sell comics, they sell games there, Um, and the owners are personable, which is a big, cool factor uh, that they'll talk to you, they'll just recommend you stuff, get to know you a little bit, what your tastes are, and be able to offer recommendations, whereas there's other comic shops in the area well, let's just say that their customer service is lacking, and mm. when you come in the shop, they kind of question why you're there. Oh, So well. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't well, feel welcome. Well, I'm here
1: to rob you of everything <laughs> you have.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't feel welcome to come in uh, to your shop, so I'll go over here to this other one that's cleaner and new and go go support them. So. All but, right, man. Uh, if you ever, Paulo, make it to the Peoria, Illinois area. You were in Chicago. You were close. Uh, if you yep, ever get to really this area, close. stop by Zeke's. Oh, well. Oh, well.
1: I'll, I'll put that. I'll make a post-it note and put it on my paper calendar.
0: <laughs> you you should do that. So that's, you know, we've we've been talking actually a lot more about these things that we've been entertained by because we're in more of a relaxed setting as our listeners know typically when uh, i've been recording these things it's kind of condensed into an hour because that's that's the lunch period that's what we get for lunch but now being at home being relaxed being able to sit back with mr paulo we're able to take a little bit longer and go deeper into the science of the martian so paulo are you ready to get into our entertaining thoughts for this week with The Martian. Let's just get into this movie. And I can't remember all the character names off the top of my head, I'll probably just refer to them by the actors. But, I have IMDb open here oh, right now. So Well, there you go. You're going to be my source. You're going to be my anchor, if it were. So let's, let's talk about this it. for a little bit. As far as the science goes, and I know this isn't necessarily your field, but how did you feel that the science in this film was portrayed to what could be possible in actual life? From what we know, I guess, of Mars.
1: I mean. It's basically, I mean, everything there is feasible, it's, it's not really too much of a fiction, it's actually like... Uh, we're talking spoilers here, so we can talk about the fact that he grew plants in Mars, and basically, if you go to an in-hospital place, everywhere in this planet, and you make it hospital by controlling the environment, making yourself a little micro-environment, And then you get the ingredients and you make the soup of life. And that's basically what he did. He was a smart, smart dude. He knew about messing around with computers, with like mechanical parts of ships and stuff like that. But he also knew how to grow potatoes on Mars. And I guess most of that stuff is actually feasible. I mean, he did control the microenvironment. He uh, he made a, a room that was oxygenated enough for life to grow, he used manure. Um, manure. He actually used poop.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> manure is a loose term for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, he used people's poop um, to to actually make a, um, fertile ground. And he he did everything right. And he even fabricated water. I mean, that's that that dude was smart. Way smarter than I would be at Mars, I would just get depressive and well let's not talk about it. Anyway, so he he he, he really did do his math I mean he his science homework and as far as I understand most of that is actually feasible, is actually possible. Like I said, if you go to a place on earth that is not good for Potatoes to grow, but if you get a room where you control the amount of oxygen, where you control the humidity, the amount of water that is there, and if you make soil and then you seed the ground, I mean, there should be no problem. And if you have a, a source of light for sure, there should be no problems uh, for for actually growing a, a little micro environment there.
0: That was. So when you think about the growing of that microenvironment, I, I like to think that I know how some things work, but I I had no clue that you could make water like that.
1: Yeah, it was. he explained it so quick, but I, I liked how he did it. So you get hydrogen, and you get oxygen, and then you burn it, and then there it is, water. And if you think of it, I mean, it really is H2O, man. It's... it's hydrogen bounded by the two covalent links of, of oxygen. So yep. I mean the, the two hydrogen links of oxygen. So yeah, uh, it was it was really it was really smart the way that he did it and he explained it like you have to burn it, but hydrogen, I mean nobody got hurt ever by making hydrogen <laughs> blow up, right? So if you think back to the <laughs> to the fact that the atomic bombs that we know is made by the fission, uh, the fission, fission, whatever, the cut of, uh, the nucleus of, if uh, a hydrogen atom. So you do know that that stuff is basically dangerous and they portrayed it very well in the movie. And it was actually funny, uh, a piece of that scene hmm. where he blew everything up and, and, got up like all bruised up. And, um, he, he, did throw some uh, scientific missions there, but it was really quick. It, it was not boring at all, but it was fascinating to, to actually watch somebody doing that. It's something that I had a notion of how it worked, but never thought of how it would actually work like in a mechanical way.
0: Right.: So obviously you being you know more of the scientist, did you go and see this with anybody else that isn't a scientist?
1: That isn't a scientist. No, I do. Uh, I did go watch it with my girlfriend, and she's a biologist.
0: So oh well, then she knew what was happening too, then didn't she? For sure, that's
1: uh, basically one of the reasons that she was so excited about watching this movie was that she she knew that it was like basically astrophysics and biology, which is two of the fields that she loved the most to to study about. So she was excited about that too.
0: So what were did you have a chance to talk to her and get her opinion of the the feasibility and the way that he actually was able to grow the potatoes on Mars? She was
1: actually fascinated too. Um, she also concurred that, I mean, technically it, it was possible. It was it was feasible if they had like uh, the source of oxygen and they control they could control it like he did because it, it was a it was a little homestead where he could be there. So if he cells can survive in that environment, mostly the potato cells can can too. So she she thought it was pretty feasible too.
0: Was there enough light in there to, to in? Because I would think like in know. Mars
1: in Mars, considering that you do not have much of an atmosphere to um, reflect light back to the to the to space. I suppose there was enough light, even though there's there was a. Um, a tarp covering the the roof of the thing. There should be enough light because Mars is really like, it's a melting pot.
0: Hmm. So, another question I have then, is that the potato, obviously, is a plant native to Earth. And growing it in this foreign environment with the soil and everything, that's one thing, being able to try to make that. But if you're talking also again about getting the light, since the atmosphere of Mars is nowhere close to the thickness of the atmosphere of Earth, the filtering of the UV rays that hit the leaf, wouldn't they be too intense for the leaf to take and oversaturate it or burn it up?
1: Technically, yes, but all living organisms have um, regulatory uh, mechanisms of, of actually like fixing DNA damage, for instance. So you do have a potato, and a potato plant does have DNA, which is why they pass uh, through the seeds and uh, well, generations and stuff like that. So if you mess with the DNA, the cells, every living cell, has a little mechanism of repair, and sometimes that fails, and you're gonna get like a really bad looking potato but it is a potato nonetheless and it's food for you you're not looking for that dna to be intact you're looking for the dna to be feasible for creation of life and he, he actually mentioned some of the potatoes were too small and he he um reseeded those i guess that's what he did but you would be able to actually see some like humongous potatoes probably that lost the mechanisms of uh, growth control for instance which is basically like a potato that had cancer if you think about it uh if if you a cell lose the mechanism of growth control that is what cancer is I mean it won't stop growing and if a potato goes too big that is basically a cancerous potato but you're not caring about how healthy the potato is you're caring if it has if it has nutrients so he ate those stuff <laughs> and it was good enough for him
0: mm-hmm I just, I thought that was really fascinating that you, that the science obviously was feasible enough that they were able to convincingly get a lot of people to, to think that this is possible. The, the ability to, to grow a plant like crop on Mars just is baffling to me. I mean, if that can actually be done, that would be impressive.
1: Yeah, that'd be impressive. I I just like, I think i I think it, it was good that he did not talk about too much about the soil that they had there, because if the like the acidity and the minerals that they had on the soil on, on the actual earth that Mars had, um, if it was like too different or, or too damaging to acid it, uh, I, I mean, too much of an acid or too much of a base, and it would not be good for life, but they didn't talk about it too much. Uh, on the beginning of the movie, he was mentioning, oh, there's, like, different kinds of sand, sand here. Uh, there's, like, this this one that is thick and there's this one that is thin. And the... What's his name? Uh, uh, Martinez was, like, joking with him. Oh, uh, Watney just found out Earth. He just found out soil. That's, <laughs> that's such a great scientific breakthrough, but it actually was. I mean, he he knew that the soil was was a little different from this place to that other one. So if he actually tried, let's assume that he tried with the like thin earth, and then it didn't work out. No crops grew. And then he tried with the thick earth, and then that one was good for for the growth. I mean, that would be technically scientifically scientifically feasible.
0: Mm fascinating. I mean, it's just interesting to, to really contemplate that. Um, so, bef- going back <laughs> back before the whole movie started, for me, in art, the way I saw it, uh, here in Peoria, I actually saw it at a museum that has a giant screen theater uh, that's pretty much the size mm. of an IMAX screen. Uh-huh. And before the, uh, the movie started, they actually had a scientific presentation by uh, the I, I don't remember what her actual title is, but she worked at the planetarium of the museum, and she gave a presentation about Mars and about the missions that have gone to Mars so far, what they've found, the pictures that they've had, and also the new discovery about water on Mars. So she really went in and explained what that means, what it actually is, what it looks like, and all the evidence that they had to back it up. So, you know, setting the, t- the table or setting the stage for the movie... Uh, was that little presentation? It was about half an hour long. It was really well done, and uh, I, I didn't even know this. But uh, did you know that India has a Mars mission?
1: I did not know that. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah, and I did they, not
1: know that they even have a um, like a space program.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. I mean, you know, you always just think of you know space missions. You think of the United States. You think of Russia. You think of uh, maybe China or Japan. Yeah. yeah, I never really thought of India, but it makes sense. I mean, they have the, the capacity to to make a, a great space program from what I know.
1: And not to be stereotypical, they do have some really smart people over there too.
0: Yeah, I hear Brazil does too, but I don't know. Some of the scientists, yeah. I'm not sure about.
1: Yeah, especially those in the field of human biology. Those, yeah.
0: uh... Especially the guys, I don't know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if the names are power. I mean, you can discard those guys.
0: <laughs> so yes, the presentation was really cool. So it you know set the stage really well, and this movie just begins. Like I didn't know anything honestly going into this movie. Right? It was I I knew that the movie was Matt Damon got stuck on Mars. What happens? That's pretty no, much all. No, me I knew.
1: too. I didn't even watch the trailer to be honest. I knew that I w- it was a movie that I would be interested in, so I'm really trying to do this for every movie that I'm interested in. I'm not watching the trailer, I'm not reading the synopsis. I'm not reading anything about it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I did it.
0: Yeah, I mean, with this movie, I- I'm glad that I didn't know, because like, my expectations were that I knew that it was a good story because I've talked to people that really enjoyed the book, but I didn't know what to expect. So going into it, my thought was, this is going to be kind of like a space age version of Castaway, right? Um, you've seen Castaway with Tom Hanks. Yep. Okay. For
1: sure.
0: Wilson. Sure? Wilson. Yeah, exactly. So he's talking to the, the ball the whole time in the Castaway. So I was, I was thinking, all right, they're going to make this. They're going to give him something. They're going, he's going to put a face in a ball, and it's just going to be a space age version. And it really wasn't, right? So in Not cast, really. in Castaway, it kind of was. Tom Hanks' descent into madness kind of grappling with his humanity, right? This was a man's conviction not to die, to overcome the odds to find an answer to the problem because the problem can be answered.
1: Yeah, the absurd odds that he most likely would not live. He knew that, but he basically did not give up a life. And he went into this like crazy scientific journey to actually find out. I mean, he calculated, he rationed, he did all the work, man. He actually was the one that saved himself.
0: Mm-hmm. He was relying on himself, relying on what he knew. Right. Cause for most of the movie, not most of the movie, but, uh, for a good portion, he was on his own. He was just relying on what he knew. Um, and maybe what records he had that hey, they brought with him. So, instead of giving up, right, which most people would probably, in that situation, give up, right, he he dug deeper within himself and found the will to live. And that kept yeah. him going. Yeah, man, Matt Damon did such a great job with this movie. Yeah, and this, this movie lives and dies by the cast, right? The premise, it, well, it... Basically, the performance of the main character Watney has to be delivered amazingly, which um, Matt Damon did a tremendous job. I could watch this performance even longer than it was. This hour was runtime about two minutes twenty-four or two hours twenty-four minutes, I think. And it didn't feel long at all. It didn't feel like it was that long. I've been to movies for that were sure. shorter that felt longer. I'm looking at you, Fantastic Four. You also had Kate Mara starring in you. What went wrong? Thank oh God I did not watch
1: that on the on the <laughs> movie. So I'm waiting for like a digital release or something like that.
0: Yeah, and I had to. I kind of laugh. the first time we see Kate Mara's character in this movie. She's got headphones on. Because in Fantastic Four, she always had headphones on, too. It was just kind of funny.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, stereotypical.
0: (laughs) But you look at the casting in this movie, right? So the main, the crux of it, uh, fantastic acting by uh, Matt Damon. And I always want to say Mark Wahlberg. I don't know why. Fantastic acting he, by Matt they Damon. They do
1: look alike. I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing because his name on the movie is Mark. And then I was like, yeah. man, Mark, Mark Watney, really did a good right? job. I mean, not yeah. Mark. i Matt. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, but they do look alike a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, he was able to deliver. This was purely his acting. He wasn't acting opposite of anyone, right? He I'll go to
1: the here, and I'll just say it. It was Oscar worthy. Yeah, I mean, he—he's he definitely gonna be nominated for best actor.
0: If he's not, then it's it's crazy because most of this movie, he's not acting off of anybody. He's just he, he's acting to nothing.
1: It was actually packed with everything. It was actually even packed with comedy. Right. He yeah. made me laugh in such a serious movie about a man who's stranded. On a planet that's twelve minutes—I mean, uh, twelve uh, light seconds away mm-hmm. from Earth. So he basically is bad to Earth. Yeah. He is. I mean, there's no other way to think about it. And and we're supposed to be suffering with him, but his cheerfulness and his quirkiness and he's—I don't know, man. He he dealt with stuff with such a genius. Kind of a sarcasm, the way that he was like, "Oh, I want to be on every book from now on as the man that first colonized Mars. I want to mm-hmm. be on every, uh, on every book uh, as as the fastest man to travel on Mars and whatever, what, what have you." And he was making, uh, he was cracking all those jokes, and he was not even like smiling as he told that because it was pure sarcasm, but he was still trying to hold it together and I mean it was fantastic mm-hmm. it was fantastic such such great acting
0: excellent timing too especially and that has a lot to do with editing as well as performance but the timing especially like when he uh, blew up the hydrogen the first time he tried to make the water and he uh-huh. he went back and he reported he was still smoking a little bit and he's like yep uh I, I did something I forgot this
1: that uh, did not work very well
0: yeah And it's just, they did a brilliant job too with giving him a reason to talk, right? So he was making these video log documentaries and you are not documentaries, but these (laughs) video logs and you being a scientist, right? You, you document stuff and do you use, or do you know anybody that uses uh, either an audio or a video log type system to keep track of what they've done, what their testing is and things like that?
1: Not audio or video. That's uh, that's something that I've been seeing other people doing. And uh, there's like, uh, I've been reading an article about this technique that I'm trying to do in my lab. Um, from a, a journal that publishes like articles and papers. That this journal is called uh, like, it's still like Journal of Visual Experiments. I think that's, that's it journal of video, uh, visual experiments. So they do actually like, uh, release a paper actually with a link on it that you shouldn't really like read the paper printed out. You should actually go to the website and watch how the scientists on that project actually did it. And I I see that being implemented now, at least in the field of human biology, but as far as my experience, I have never seen anybody like recording audio or recording video. Not really. We do take pictures and we do uh, record vlogs written, but not picture. I mean, not not uh, movies or not audio.
0: Okay. Because I think that like other other movies that have like scientific experiments, things like that kind, of had something similar going on, but obviously they weren't stranded by themselves on a planet.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of a dramatic effect to that. Being yeah. looking at yourself in a, in a tiny little camera, and mm-hmm. I mean, just, just trying to deliver the, the, the experiment.
0: So, looking at this movie again, one thing that they they. It was kind of odd, and it didn't feel right when they did it was, and I know why. Uh, When he was rationing his food out for seven months, I think it was, they showed him getting out of the shower and he was like all, you know, very uh, sickly looking because he's been starving himself pretty much. Um, That clearly wasn't Matt Damon. I mean, clearly. Absolutely not, but it was good enough, I guess. It
1: was. As far as the effects goes. Yeah.
0: As far as the effect goes, it, it was fine, but... You could tell, like they were using the. He was covering his face, and you never saw the person's face when he had the the sickly body look going on. Because I think they they were trying just to to rely on some of the old, you know, camera movements and tricks to to circumvent doing any more CG than it was needed. They didn't want to do like a Captain Rogers type thing where they had, you know, um, Chris Evans' face on a on a little kid type situation, right?
1: Yeah, it was it was a bit of a a bit of a stretch to actually imagine Matt Damon in that condition because, like I said, it was obviously not him. Mm-hmm. But I did like the fact that they tried to show that because I mean, the human body is not gonna withstand being supplied with a little bit of potato being rationed out throughout the days. Um, it's gonna it's gonna go on a little bit of self digestion, like within the body cannibalism. And he he got really thin and he got really weak, but he was still like as thin as he was. He was muscular, so I guess it really, a really like scientifically speaking, it really showed that he was not. It was not inaccurate because he was in movement all the time. He was doing stuff all the time, and all that res- all the resources that his body had it put to his brain and to the rest of the muscles that he had to keep moving. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a nice touch. Um they I was glad that they put him on the suit for the rest of the movie so he couldn't actually look like um Matt Damon.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, it was uh it was just a little little jarring, a little shocking. Not shocking in a way, like, ooh, what in the world? But they they did want to show what the rationing was doing over that time because it, you if anyone went on that kind of diet not really if anyone was that starving themselves like that that's what their body would go through right so for sure and he didn't have a lot of protein really to to feed off of so it makes sense that it would start to kind of like you said cannibalize your own body in that way
1: yeah, chemically. the the packaged uh, rations, they were basically protein, but I guess he ran out of those after 200 souls.
0: Mm-hmm. As far as, let's go back to the casting a little bit, right? We've talked about Dame and his performance is impeccable. The other standout performance, really good performance in this movie, was by the director of NASA. I can't remember the actor's name. Jeff Daniels? Yes, Jeff Daniels.
1: Man, my girlfriend uh, that just reminded me that that's the guy from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you sure? And I actually had to check on IMDB to, to, to check back fact that, man, he is that same guy. And he was really good. Yeah. And you know what? I sympathize with every decision that he made. I think well, he was, he was right in doing them.
0: He was making the the right decisions from his from, from directing NASA's point of view, he was making the right calls. Like there's you couldn't really For find sure. fault with him. I mean, even even the call about skipping the testing, right? I mean, in one out of twenty finds an issue. And that's I mean, a week it was of a time. it was a
1: good call. It was a good call because he time was something that he did not have. Mm-hmm.
0: And he was, he was aware of that and he was, he was trying to make sure that everything was going well for this mission to work and he was just trying to buy him time. And I mean, if you only have a five, what is that 5% chance of issue? I mean, yeah. the odds are in your favor at that point, but maybe there was yeah, something gambler. That you could do. Yeah. Maybe there was something that you could do at that point that is like maybe a, a truncated uh, look at the, you know, uh,
1: a little revision.
0: yeah a truncated look at it. But even then, even if you do the tests, you could still have the issue. So Yeah,
1: if you still have like 0.1%, that's still there yeah. 0.1% that's going to fail. So
0: So then, I mean, you're down another you're you're down even more time anyway, and then you have to make that fix and because the man's life was on the line and they really needed to to make this work. It makes it made a lot of sense to me the way that it was portrayed and the decisions that he made and the reasons for him, but also equally sympathetic was the flight director played by Sean Bean, and yeah,
1: I, Sean Bean was really good in that too.
0: Yeah, I, I agreed with every decision he made. Like I agree that the crew should have known, they should have known a lot sooner than they told them on. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not But a... I
1: also agree with the fact that the crew shouldn't be distracted. So I was like really conflicted. I, I love Sean Bean. I sympathize with him a little bit more because he's, he's Nat Star and he got his hat chopped up. But that uh, I do, just do it No, I'm not even going to talk about that. Anyway, <laughs> Sean Bean dies in every, every role that he does. Uh-huh. And actually, stati- statistically speaking, he dies in 70% of the roles that he has. Anyway. Um, I was conflicted because Sean Bean was going by the heart and Jeff Daniels was going by the rational side of things, the business side of things. And I would actually try not to distract the team as well. I mean, that would be my call and I would be really upset if, uh, if Sean Bean
0: would do that. Well, what would be more distracting? Thinking that your friend is dead or that your crewmate is dead. Or knowing that he's alive?
1: Um, Knowing that he's alive, for sure. Because there's a sense of guilt there.
0: There's a sense of guilt either way.
1: I mean, but... There's resolution when you think that he's dead. He's just dead. That's it. There's nothing you can do about it. But if he's alive... You can try to keep him alive, can't you?
0: But at the same time, then... That shows that maybe they didn't trust the crew
1: I mean I wouldn't trust a crew that was entitled to do a 500 day strip and 500 day trip back mm-hmm. there's a lot of stress going on there and there's a lot of stress to the commander um, which was actually a, a, a good, good portrayal of a character too uh, Jessica Chastain
0: Oh, yeah, she we did.
1: She did Murphy on um, Interstellar, which uh, I found it was a funny fact that she did two, like, astrophysic movies. Well, so did Matt Damon. Really. So did Matt Damon. Yeah, he actually performed the same role, to be yeah, honest.
0: Pretty much.
1: Dr. Man. Um, so, yeah, but he was a jerk in that movie. Anyway, um, I, I I actually, actually think that, Thinking that he was alive was a little bit more distracting than thinking that he was dead because that was it. I mean, that's resolved. That that's a matter that you can go back and and
0: fix. Yeah, I'm heartless. You are. You're a scientist. You're looking at things with fact. You're. You don't. You don't put any soul into your thoughts. Nope. (laughs) Black and white with you. That's all it is. Mm. -hmm. My favorite colors. So, what else about this movie stands out to you? Michael Peña. He's so funny. Who? Moving on. <laughs>
1: Rick Martinez, the, oh, the yeah. pilot. That guy is such a joy in every movie that he appears. I mean, he was... Have you watched Ant-Man, right? Yeah. So, that Man, he was funny as hell in that movie. He was, like, the best part of Ant-Man, to be honest. And Ant-Man was a, it was a good movie on its own, but... He does these little things that crack me up so easily, and he has a face. I mean, when yep. when, uh, when Commander Lou is talking to the crew stuff so, I mean, we do have the option of going back and picking him up, but this is a decision. And he was like, sign me up. And uh-huh. she was like, no, I mean, listen to what I'm going to say first. And he was like, nope, sign me up. I'm done. I don't care if I'm going to spend five more hundred days in this trip. I just wanna help my friend.
0: hmm The way he delivered his lines too because he's like, Oh, hold on there, cowboy. We're military, we're gonna be court marshals." He's like, Oh yeah. And like she later, like, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. I mean it was it was great. All the cast, like the crew Even so... even Chris
1: and Wig. Yeah. Which is a girl from uh I, I, I think about her and I think about the all these sketches that I've seen from her Saturday Night Live, doing yeah. on Saturday Night Live for sure. So even even she was a was a great uh, character in that movie, a great
0: actor in that movie. Mhm. Even even like uh, Donald Glover from Community.
1: Oh, he was great. He was actually great. I, I love how crazy he looked and Mm Mhm.
0: It was just such a well-acted movie all the way around. I'm this Ridley Scott directed this movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You look at some of other movies that really Scott's done, off the top of my head I I'm just trying to think of other ones that he's done. I think he's maybe- The Best
1: Movie of All Time, Prometheus.
0: Uh you said the best movie of all
1: time? <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not a, a great movie, but it was a good movie. I think people talk too bad about that movie just because it went a bit too far, but I think it was it was a good movie all around.
0: Yeah. But I mean, he did movies like Alien, right? He did Blade Runner. Um, I hated Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a complex movie,
1: <laughs> but it is a pretty bad movie that doesn't make
0: much sense. <laughs> I guess it just depends from uh, from your perspective.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I don't have any nostalgia for it because I never watched it as a kid. I did watch it. Maybe this year or last year, it was pretty recent, and I was I just thought it was boring, yeah. Maybe because I'm still soulless, though,
0: so yeah, might be that. that that's probably what it is. But I mean, Ridley Scott also did the Robin Hood movie a while back. Um, I think he was either a producer or the director or on that with uh, um, Russell Crowe, and I think did Ridley Scott also do Gladiator? Yes. Let
1: me fact check. Oh, yes? All right. I think so. That was also a great movie.
0: So, I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of stuff that he's done. And this movie, in my opinion, is probably, of of the ones here that are, are the standouts, among the best.
1: Uh, I would say on the top, for sure.
0: I don't know if I'd put it on top, because if you look at, like, the performances and everything that he got out of Gladiator, that's still stands up I would think.
1: But I think Gladiator has much more nostalgia factor playing in your mind right now. I could I think yeah, I think I think this movie was really like if I'm thinking about a movie that I want to see in two thousand fifteen, considering like how many effects I want and how much of the actors delivery I want, this really hit the sweet spot.
0: This movie, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it, is probably the best movie I've seen in theaters in 2015.
1: For sure. I, I guess I can concur with that. Except Ant-Man. You, was it, was Ant-Man, think Ant-Man this was year? better? Just because I left my ass off of it. Just because
0: of that. Huh. So, I mean, Ant-Man was a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. But, man, I, I think that this movie performances and just... Everything put together is a a far superior complete movie, film, and adventure than Ant-Man was. I mean, with this one, Ant-Man, you've got a villain that's clearly defined as a bad guy. There is... It's man versus nature in this movie. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. you You do have a point. I mean, it is a better movie... Ant-Man was just something that I needed. (laughs) It was fun. It was just just straight up fun. A fun fact that I'm just looking at IMDb right now and from the movies that Ridley Scott directed the top three with the same score from IMDb at 8.5 are Lost I mean not Lost in Mars that's the Brazilian name Um, The Martian Alien the first movie the first Alien movie and Gladiator, all of them have eight point five, and Blade Runner has eight point two. So my point stands: Blade <laughs> Runner is not good. I mean, at <laughs> least not as good.
0: I I will agree that Blade Runner is not as good as The Martian for sure, and, and that's just uh, that's just me. You know, from what I remember of Blade Runner to what I know now of Martian, The Martian. There's so much about this movie that you just need to watch Like, I want to go watch it again, just to pick up on other small things that I may have missed. It's just the, I saw it in 3D. Did you see it in 3D?
1: Yep. It was, I mean, I was going to, uh, it was going to be something that I will be brought, uh, bringing up in this podcast. I think that 3D these days is just like a, a little fair. It really doesn't do much for me these days. I don't think.
0: So I think that there could be two things that cause that. Right? Is that either it's misused and there's no need for it, and it doesn't really enhance the movie at all, or that it's to the point where every movie has it now, and it's nothing special anymore. But I was kind of
1: got to the. It's it's basically a standard for every movie that has CG.
0: Right. But I was going to say with this movie, with the 3D that I noticed in, in my display, which part of the reason why I definitely wanted to go to the theater that I went to is because they have a great projector for 3D because it's bright. They, they have the settings set where it's light enough that you can actually see everything that you need to. And the use of using 3D in this movie to create the depth of Mars, of the landscape of Mars, was amazing. Like there were, there were points in this movie where the depth was um just clearly defined and they couldn't do it if they didn't have 3d the way that it was done. And then there was also like the flares, the jumps that were like the sandstorm when, uh-huh. uh, at, at the beginning of the movie when they were, you know, climbing up into the thing, there was the sand pellets that were kind of coming up at you and things like that. And then uh, yeah. just the flying around of the sand and all the grains and very, the dusty environment, um, uh, was very well utilized with 3D, too. Yeah,
1: that that part, I have to agree. It really added to experience 3D, for sure.
0: And I, for my viewing of this movie in 3D, because I went to a good theater that has a good projector, like I said, I was impressed with the 3D use in this movie.
1: Maybe, I mean, you're talking about the background, the landscape of Mars. Maybe I just didn't like, put too much attention into looking at that. Because, I mean, as much as I liked how Mars looked, it looked like the landscape from Mad Max, <laughs> which, which is fine, which is great. But I was, I was not paying attention, like, I was not looking to, to see anything fascinating about Mars. I was looking to see things fascinating about Mark Watney, Matt Damon's character. I was paying more attention at him. Mm-hmm. Oh man.
0: Yeah. Let's let's talk about another thing, another dimension. The audio, the sound in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was so before this, the movie that I think has amazing sound usage, and still maybe probably the best sound usage in my opinion, is Gravity. Have you seen Gravity?
1: Yeah, but I, I just wondered why you would say that. I mean, okay. Yeah. Explain your point, why Gravity has so great audio.
0: Listen to just the sound effects and the audio and the use of sound in Gravity, right? Don't listen I mean, to the score. Don't listen I noticed to the
1: else. use of silence in Gravity.
0: <laughs> but that's the key right?
1: It is. It is. I have to agree with that. Because I mean, you're
0: dealing with a vacuum of space in gravity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when those noises that came hit and were, um, you know, the things kind of just like jumped out at you because something crashed into something and it made the noise that you'd be able to hear. It was just, awesome because then you had all this other stuff that was kind of crazy you would typically have all this noise and all these explosions happening and you were just seeing it because that's the way it would be it mm-hmm. was just just visual nothing no audio because there would be no audio in space
1: yeah yeah i mean the lack of audio in most scenes what i was actually adding to experience i have to agree with that but other than that i I mean the parts that had audio in Gravity, I, I don't remember anything like really memorable. I mean the movie itself was memorable, but the I, use of audio, the use of actually like soundtrack or score or stuff like that or effects, I, I don't really have particularly fond memories of that.
0: I challenge you to go back and watch Gravity. If you have a good pair of headphones, to use your headphones. Or if you have a good surround sound system, listen to it there. I have really good headphones that I like to listen to, and I take them on the plane with me, and be, they cut out the audio uh, from like the engines and stuff, right? And you don't have to turn them up very loud, and it gets really good definition. Take a good pair of headphones or something and just watch Gravity again, and I think you'll understand what I'm getting at. Hmm. I will do that. How will you do that, Nathan? How will do that? So, but in this movie, <laughs> this isn't talking about gravity. <laughs> in this movie... Is it um, not? <laughs> they they use the sound effects really well with this one, too. And some of the best sound effects, in my opinion, are um, the audio that he hears, like, from the suit. Like, when he's waking up for the first time. or not the first time, but waking up after he gets hit. And uh-huh. you get, like, that, that you know, air-low uh, warning that came out there. And you got the, the different use of the uh, audio for when he's in the space shuttle to go back up to Rendezvous and hopefully get sent back home, right? hmm And all this other just craziness that's happening and all the sound effects that are generated from the the tarps and the sandstorms, the, the um, dust and everything, particulates hitting on the windows, and it just, it was amazing. And it could be because that the theater be that I was sitting at that I was that I was at it has just really good sound too, and it was just pronounced. But man, I, this I want to listen to this. This is a movie that I really want to watch again at home, because I can I can listen to it with headphones on, or I could turn on my surround sound and just be engrossed in the audio.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just have to concur. They really did a great job of the audio in this movie
0: too. And that takes me back to. If this movie is not nominated for about seven Oscars... <laughs> or so. I mean, the, the from the editing to the, the technical, the visuals, to the audio design, e- the score as well was really good. Now, this movie, I believe, was moved up from... A re- the release date was originally in November, uh, but they moved it up now to the October release date. And I think the score still will not be released until closer to November, um, unless I take a look now and it's magically available. But looking at this, like on Tuesday, the score was nowhere to be found. There was no, I couldn't find it, couldn't find a release date for it. And I, I really want to I, listen to the score because from what I heard during this film, they had two kind of ambient and then the uh, the more positional pieces of music too. Like you have the positional pieces when he's doing his, his big science things, his monologues and his, his escape plan, right? Uh-huh. And then you have the more ambience when he's out there, kind of just exploring Mars and things like that. It was very impressive to me, the subtle use of the music in this movie. It didn't stand out because it was really subtle. Yeah, yeah it, I do have to agree with that. It it didn't stand out because that wasn't its purpose. So you look at us, you look at a, a film composer like John Williams and the Star Wars scores, right? tremendous, yep. even Jurassic Park tremendous score and next week when we talk about Inception tremendous, that is part of the movie in this it is not a feature part of the movie and it it, it doesn't need to be it doesn't want to be
1: it's it is it is supposed to compliment. feel like something that Mark would be listening to in the background and you would feel like him I mean it's it's just like it was for the songs uh, were like something that he found on uh, Cap- Commander Lewis, like case or something like that. Right. And he didn't particularly like them, but he listened to them because he felt alone. Mm-hmm. So he need he needed to to listen to something. And the fact that I I didn't like pay too much attention on their lyrics or what kind of music it was. It was because I was, like, sympathizing with Mark. I, I, I don't really want to listen to this music, but I ha- I want to have it playing in the background to distract me. And I think if that was the idea to make me feel like Mark that, at that point, I mean, at those points, they did do a good job.
0: So those would be, like, the, the disco songs and stuff like that would be more of the soundtrack, uh, those, those different musics that you would listen to during the movie. What I was kind of referring to was the score, the, the music underlude of the movie.
1: Oh, the actual like, orchestral thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I guess I didn't pay much attention to
0: that part. And that's, that makes it amazing, right? Because it was such a part of the movie, such a part of the background, so so perfectly there and at the same time not distracting
1: it For was sure, amazing. I mean, if he, if he didn't bring it up, I guess I wouldn't even notice that it was much there at all. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's one of the things where I'm looking to, to be able to listen to that independently of the film to kind of catch on some of the motifs or nuances of it. But the uh-huh. way that it was used in the film was really, really calculated and really well done.
1: Yeah, it really matched with the whole atmosphere
0: of the of the whole movie. Paulo. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts on The Martian?
1: Mm, If I were to to ask them for anything other than what they delivered me, which I mean, I'm I'm really satisfied with what I had. It was a great experience, great movie for sure. I mean, everybody should should watch it but if you listen to this point i guess you did watch it hopefully.
0: hopefully if you haven't watched it it was it was tremendous for sure
1: and it's something that i'm gonna recommend to all my friends for sure i mean everybody that it doesn't i mean the person doesn't even need to like science it's just a movie about matt Damon being stranded in mars and that part on itself is great if i were to ask of them of just something more it would be the, I think there was like a gap of maybe 300 souls or 400 souls that was the time that uh, Matt Damon actually got like super, not Matt Damon, uh, the character Mark, Mark Watney got like super thin and because he was just basically waiting and eating his rations and stuff like that. Um, at, at that like gap of 400, 400 souls, I guess, um, I wish that it was, like, a three-minute scene of he doing this and then cut, he doing that and then cut. And, like, two months later, he doing this and then cut and then he doing that. Just, like, a reminder that he's, like, still doing something to distract himself. He's doing something to survive. Maybe he got sick at one point and he's trying to get better. Something like that. Just, like, something to glue that the little gap in time up. Just that. But other than that, the movie was great.
0: And I don't think I... You know, that seven-month, I think it was, time period there, where it just kind of says seven months later type thing. Oh, yeah, seven months.
1: Yeah, that that was then over.
0: And to me, that just makes sense. I'm sure that there were probably scenes that they had in there that maybe they deleted and didn't feel like it was necessarily needed, that it might kind of detract from the story that they're trying to play off. Like, if, if they had a couple other side plots in there, then it could start to muddle the story a little bit, right?
1: Mm. Yeah, maybe. Sure.
0: So, to me, I think it was really well-paced, really well done. I didn't have any drags. I didn't have anything that felt like it was... Uh, it, like I said before, this didn't feel like it was a two-hour and 20-some-minute movie. It felt like it was maybe two hours, maybe just a little less. For sure. Because when, when it was time to be done, I was like, man, I mean, this movie... It just, it picked up at the beginning and really just never let you go because of all the stuff that Matt Damon's character goes through in this movie. In addition to how they're going to try to help him from Earth, what they can do, and, you know, the conflicts that arise there. Really impeccable storytelling and a well-done movie and, to this point, definitely my favorite film of 2015.
1: Definitely up there, definitely up there for sure. It was, it was great, man. That's something that I'm really gonna be recommending to everybody. And actually, I won't shut up about it.
0: <laughs> well, for now, I'm gonna have to ask you to shut up about it, so we can go ahead and close the show out with our typical. All right,
1: man. Don't, don't need to be rude, Nathan.
0: <laughs> Come on, man. We're hey, supposed to be friends. It's, it's okay, my baby. It's all right. No, no worries. You you call me Plan B and stuff like that and
1: then oh man oh man I I, I don't get paid to to endure this kind of
0: to endure this kind of stuff. Hey, I'll double your pay, okay?
1: All right, double nothing.
0: Yeah, still nothing. <laughs> well, n- next week we will be talking Inception, one of my favorite films again by Christopher Nolan with an amazing cast. And a tremendous score that does stand out. And it is its own character, the score in that movie. Uh, definitely looking forward to talking Inception next week.
1: For sure. That, that That is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's like, for sure, on the top ten list.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is October. And just a quick shout-out to the drink that I've been drinking. My Samuel Adams Oktoberfest is actually a very good brew this year. They have a, a different recipe, kind of variations that happen each year, I think, from their brews. Uh, past couple of years it's been okay, but this year it's actually pretty good. So if you are into beer and you are into Oktoberfest, because it is October, uh, I recommend the Sam Adams Oktoberfest. It's delicious.
1: Noted. I'll make another post it and glue it to my paper counter. <laughs>
0: So, you know what, Paula? I'm going to throw it to you. Do you have a question for the listeners this week?
1: Are you really going to throw me under the bus? Man, I, you, didn't, you did not prepare me for this. <laughs> you know what? I, I just came up with one. Think about... I mean, I, I do have to make it like quick enough for, uh, for a tweet. If you had to change anything about a great movie that you love to make it even greater... What would you change?
0: Oh, nice. So uh, anything that you could change about a great movie that you love to make it even better?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I like that question. What would you change? What would you do?
1: I mean, I, I just I just talked about, like, giving me a couple more scenes about a more scenes Mark there. Buckney in, in those seven months. That would be great. But I still loved it. I still thought it was great. It was just... It would just make me a little bit happier.
0: I don't have an answer to that yet. I would have to think well, about that. Well, you suck. <laughs> well, so <laughs> my my gut reaction is uh, a little bit less Jar Jar in The Phantom Menace, maybe, and a little bit more Darth Maul? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, Darth Maul was fine, but Jar Jar, I could use less, for sure.
0: So, I mean, that, that's kind of my my go-to probably at this point is just kind of maybe tweaking, tweaking that a little bit. But, you know, um, I, I still do enjoy watching The Phantom Menace. I'm not one of the people that think it's the worst movie ever, but I still enjoy watching it. And, you know, I do understand the reasons for the Jar Jar character. You look at the original track or the original uh, uh, trilogy movies and... C-3PO was pretty much Jar Jar in those movies. For
1: sure, yeah. It was basically the same kind of goofy, like, stumbling around the, the background. Yeah. I, I, I do I do love the trilogy. I don't... I mean, I, I do love both trilogies, but I, I don't think that Jar Jar is so bad that he soiled the, the prequel trilogy, for sure, for sure. I mean, that was not really a, a big problem. People... Just whine too much about little stuff
0: mm-hmm. So you can send us that answer in a tweet form to entertaining pod on Twitter at entertainingpod or you can shoot us an email that's entertaining at gmail.com. If you want to talk to Paulo directly, Paulo, are you on Twitter? I for sure
1: am. I'm at mighty underscore Paulo. That's mighty underscore Paulo. Just as I said it. If you don't understand, then you did not deserve to talk to me on Twitter.
0: (laughs) Man, going (laughs) back to being heartless and soulless again, aren't you? I I I never stopped being one. (laughs) And you can find me on Twitter. I am at Sith Nightmare. S I T H K N I G H T M A R E. You can also find me on Xbox Live. Spider Jedi is my gamer tag. And you can also
1: find Nathan on Spelling Bee
0: 2016. (laughs) How'd you know about that? Um,
1: I do have insights.
0: (laughs) And I did want to give a quick quick shout out to my Extra Life, which is in full swing at this point. Um, The day that we record this is October 2nd, I believe. Uh, it's almost October third. As the third over here. Yeah, that's the third over there now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I will be engaging in extra life twenty four hour live stream marathon on November sixth uh, on Twitch. So you can find me over there. I'm at Spider Jedi on Twitch as well.
1: Five so, weeks from now.
0: Five weeks from now, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, last year when I did it, um, there were times where I got pretty loopy and pretty crazy. Uh, just ask any of the people that were watching me last year. Um, but the more important thing is the reason why I'm doing it, and that is for the children. So Extra Life is all about raising money for the children's hospitals. Uh, I've chosen one here locally in the Peoria area. And if you feel compelled to help spread the word or to donate, you can do so if you go to extra-life.org slash participant slash n t so i'd appreciate any any sort what of what
1: now n t like the letter n and the letter t that's right oh that's that's easy participant n t participants n t people do that participant slash n t uh, yeah. that's that's great let's let's help the kids throughout playing video games and watching nathan passing out Trying to stay awake for 24
0: hours. Oh, I'm not going to pass out. I got, like, I'm going to have, like, seven, I don't know, what do you call them, boxes of Red Bull that are just at the ready, so it's it'll be interesting. I, 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 I'm afraid that it will be interesting.
1: It will be entertaining,
0: wouldn't you say? Oh, yes, it will be entertaining. And with that, ladies and gentlemen... That'll conclude it for us this week. Paulo, thank you again for joining me. You are always number one. Thank you for having
1: me, good sir. Even though I'm your plan B, (laughs) I mean, I I think I still enjoy your friendship, I guess, maybe. (laughs) For now, at least. For now, at least.
0: Well, that'll do it for us this week, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you for listening to us chat scientific things, and all kinds of crazy nonsense. We hope that you have been entertained.